This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Check this out. Oh yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting infinity stones. Mm-hmm. I got the big homie in the building. We got Hip Hop Mike. Oh, man. Mike, how you feeling, bro? Bro, just the fact that my name is Hip Hop Mike and is not as good as The Wolf of Wine, like that, <laughs> I need to change my whole name. That's crazy. That's, that's the most lit alter ego I've ever heard in my life, The Wolf of Wine. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, you know, the wolf from Pulp Fiction. I'm like the wolf for wine situations. That's how my that's how I came up in the game, you know, so I, I always try to pay pay homage to my background. I love it. I know all the women is flocking. I already know. <laughs> Yo, man, look, you know, tell that to my wife. She's oh. like, <laughs> no, like that's shit, it. man. She she couldn't. Uh, she could do with some competition. She oh. could do with some competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, yo, thank, thanks for joining us, bro. Um, but yo, you were you were a very dynamic guy, man. I, I feel privileged to have you on the show. You know, your background is in is in management. You're all over media. You busting a lot of moves. Like, how did like why why music? Why did you jump into the music industry? I like stress. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, nah, I mean, I think that's part of it. It's like, I love a challenge, man. And, and just growing up, it was like, I kind of came up around a lot of different types of people. And I think, you know, being from a little bit of a privileged background when I was a kid, like I kind of grew up, my family had some money and like, it was one of them situations, like my dad fucked up at his job and stole money and went to jail and like, I just always kind of, I didn't feel like I fit in with a lot of like the rich kids and the kids that was kind of like bougie and spoiled and shit. And, you know, he got locked up. I was pretty young and we just moved from like, like West Hempstead to like Hempstead. I was running around like Lakeview and shit a lot. And just, Mm. I felt like- Smelling them streets. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) I mean, it was like, it it was kind of, it just felt more like home if, if that don't sound too crazy because like, I'm just real big on genuine energy. And like, I was around a lot of like rich, like white kids growing up that was just all subscribed to the bullshit. And and I never felt like I fit into it. But like, at the same time, I didn't know where else I could fucking go. And then I just moved out like towards Hempstead. I started hanging out in the hood a lot. And like, I just, I fell in love with hip hop. I I like, I really like talking shit with people and like being around people that I respected is working, is really grinding. Like, I didn't like people that was just, had they nose up in the air, like we this and that, like, and I think over time, I just gravitated to to the world that like was more meant for me. Like I always was kind of a hustler. I wasn't really somebody who was into like the books and like, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have like a lot of friends. I wasn't a cool kid, you know? So yeah, I think music was just it for me. And like, I was, um, I, I ended up getting a job, my cousin in Queens, I was like 11 years old. I was like sweeping floors at like his hair salon and shit. And up the block, there was like two mixtape spots. And I would just take my tips and go in there and just buy like like oversized t-shirts and mixtapes and all this shit. And I made really good friends with this dude, Najee, that like owned it. And I would like make little runs with him to like Canal to pick up fake sneakers and shit. And like, you know, slowly over time, man, I just, like I said, I just gravitated to people that I really fucked with. And, you know, I fell in love with, with hip hop and the culture. And, you know, as time went on and I started doing better and better, and a lot of these like more privileged kids that like I grew up around started wanting to be friends with me when I like nobody ever wanted to be friends with me. I was just like that shit for the birds. Like, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I always rock at, with my people. At that point, were you hip hop Mike already or were you oh, still no. <laughs> still was, uh, developing? I was young uh, Michael Turkowitz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they called me, they used to call me Turkey and shit. Like I went to all <laughs> oh, my last names like Turk. Um, but yeah, man, I, I didn't become hip hop Mike until Hot 97, like years and years later. So uh, before we get get too deep into your story, mm-hmm. I got to introduce um, the the wine audience to you. Now, usually when I have when I have um, wine, I, I always have like either wine influencers or hip hop influencers on this show. So you you're like a food influencer, too. So you kind of fall in the middle of this of, of this <laughs> spectrum because 
you know, from what I get, you also, you know, you fuck with the wine. Now, I wouldn't say I fuck with the wine. Like, I love, like, I like wine a lot, right? But I fuck with food, and I'm very, like, into, like, like delicacies. Like, I know cheeses. Like, I was a pizza man, but, like, not like a pizza man that works at fucking, like, Ray's and Rockville Center type shit. Like, yeah. I, I made, like, like, truffle pizza, like, pear pizza, like, shit that's really fine, like, quality food. So I, I have an appreciation for people that, that know wine. And the same way that I do DJs, but like I wouldn't right. call myself a DJ because I'm not, I can't touch them turntables like Camillo. So, <laughs> right, right. I, but I well, drink a hell of a lot of wine. I love drinking it. <laughs> but you know what? A lot of people, and this is why we do this show because a lot of people try to make it seem like you have to know every single thing about wine to be a wine person per se. Yo, as long as you enjoy it and you truly enjoy it, like you a guy that knows pairing. So, you know, I, I feel like you know, you would, you would do well in the wine space. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I need to get my dollars up and I plan to do well in the wine space one day. <laughs> Shout out my boy, Tommy McCarry. I'm trying to be like him one day. I mean, that's all on smash. Damn, damn. Now, um, so I know, so we gotta, we gotta introduce the, the wine and hip hop audience to you. Um, what, is your favorite type of wine like do you like white or red i I actually just had this debate with shorty this morning because she's drinking white wine i low-key i might prefer red wine just because Mm. i like something i think a little sweeter but um i think also red wine has just been built into my life because cooking with it like i I don't really cook with white wine i always cook with with red wine like like kind of darker sauces so i prefer red but i'll drink a white wine it it depends on the occasion i suppose like got you. you know well, the variety, you know, there's so much variety. You can find, you can find sweet reds the same way you can find sweet whites. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it, it's all over the place. Like with what, um, with a lot of the, the cookie mashups that you do, I can see you getting with some dessert wine, you know, messing with like a, like a nice, um, tawny port or, um, some wine from Madeira. Like these are wines. Um, I, and I'm just throwing, putting you under some game real quick. So when <laughs> you're jumping too. back, you know what I'm saying? Just go back like, yo, look, let me get some Madeira wine. I think this is going to go really well because you fit into the dessert wine category. You know what I mean? And it's interesting. You like the sweeter wines. Madeira. I'm about to write that down because I'm make sure that I get this right. <laughs> yeah, word. Nah, just get some Madeira or or some, um, you know, get you some nice port wine. Like a tawny port is going to be um, a little bit sweeter, um, very full bodied and high alcohol so it'll get you where you need to go <laughs> i feel like i feel like the port wine is the wine i've tried like i i can't really put my thumb on it but i know the bottles it was like a jug and yeah 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 i feel like it was port wine yeah, I, I yeah. definitely i enjoy all that <laughs> see I, yo look man you know i'm i'm like a hood sommelier right now you know nah, what i mean you like got it. you got this this is what i'm saying like your wife is a lucky lady definitely a seasoned gentleman <laughs> no nah, man yo you know what's funny my wife don't drink wine really it's crazy like i can't i can't pour it down her throat like i can't force her <laughs> You know, I've always been more of like a smoker. Like that's the other thing I was talking to Shorty about. Like, cause she she likes to drink, but I'm really big on like I smoke weed. Like I'm a weed kind of sore. Like for yes, real, sir. for real. But I like mixing the weed with the wine too. So you I'm- get along with my wife. <laughs> say that. That's what you know. yo. <laughs> but yo, the weed and the wine actually go very very well together. You know, um, you know, sometimes when you're smoking and you can taste like earth mm-hmm. in the in yep. the bud. You drink like when you when you pairing, you got to pair earth with earth. Like one of my favorite situations is to, you know, have like a nice sativa, you know, something that you can taste it. It has yeah. some nice, some good fragrance. Um, you mix the sativa with a um, with some truffle pizza. Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? And, and, <laughs> and some white and some white burgundy. You know, like that's a that's Outta a here. whole vibration right Outta there. Here. <laughs> that, that is a perfect evening to me, bro. That's a perfect evening to me. I feel like that's how you summon aliens and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them vibes, aliens is coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. So we mentioned a little bit about you um working at Hot 97. Can you tell the audience a little bit about how you got with them and what your experience with them has, has been like. Is, is it all you thought that it would be? <laughs> that shit made no sense to me, bro. <laughs> that shit was hella trippy. Um, I mean, to tell you the truth, no, it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. But but also to, with respect to it, I didn't 
think it really gave me an idea of what it should have been. Yo, what up, people? You feeling the podcast? Well, log on to wineandhiphop.com right now and click that support the show tab. Pick up some merch and try our brand new Wine and Hip Hop Vino 3-pack. Every dollar you spend contributes to producing more fire content just like this. Now back to the show. Mm. Um, like I said, I just, I always love music. And, you know, when I was buying mixtapes, Hot 97 mixtapes was like, I guess, the most familiar, you know? Um, especially to just a random white boy at the time. Like, I know I was super young, so I got into Dipset real heavy. I was into like the G unit tapes. I, I listened to a lot of like the Green Lantern tapes, but like, you know, if I had $20 in tips for the day, I was buying like two of the Hot 97 tapes and then maybe like a drama, maybe a case late tape. Like, and, um, you know, Hot 97 was just like, it was more the, the place to be. Like if you in New York, you fuck with music. Hot 97 is the Mecca nice. for hip hop. And, um, you know, I fast forward a little bit from when I was buying mixtapes, I, I ended up in a group home from doing a lot of bad shit in the streets. So they sent me to like a detention center for a minute. And then I got transferred to this group home. And um, in the group home, they would kind of let you like be in the library and you could go on MySpace. And um, I just was like so into the tapes that I would hit up all the DJs that I seen on Hot 97's website to like, you know, just try and connect from the group home. And nobody really answered. Like I sent everybody like Angie, C, like, you know, everyone that was there and, um, and Rosenberg just happened to write back, bro, on MySpace and like gave me some good advice, like on the copy and paste message type shit. And, um, you know, when I got out the group home, I moved to Brooklyn and that's I started like cutting hair and, and getting into pizza and like all these other jobs. I was working a pharmacy, a photography job, just a bunch of shit. And um, I ended up winning tickets to Rock the Bells and Rosenberg was hosting and I kind of snuck backstage because, you know, I, was, <laughs> I could break in the houses. I could break in backstage. That shit. Like, <laughs> and um, I would sneak backstage and, and, you know, I came across him in person and I was like, you remember me? I sent you that message. And I, I can't tell you if he remembered me or not at the time, the first time. But, um, you know, like we just kind of was cool. Like I put, you know, I put my face you know, I guess with the name for him. And I was like, you know, I really would love to work with you at some point. Like if there's anything I could do. And he kind of was just like, no, you got to go to school. Like he didn't really need help at the time, I guess. And like, he kind of curved, like, you know, me looking for a job, but told me like, if I go to school, you know, like I could probably finesse an internship there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I tried to go to school, but I dropped out. I was like living in this apartment with like this girl at the time. It was like too much. I got this dog. It was like, I was just trying to do too much shit. I was like 18 years old. I had just aged out this group home a year earlier. Right. And, um, you know, I just kind of like dropped out of school and went right back to work. And I was working like a photography job a year later, um, driving to Connecticut to like do this uh, or driving home from Connecticut. They, it was like a job where they would send you to like bar mitzvahs and weddings and like sweet 16s and you put pictures in frames. And um, at the event, you give out the frames to the guests. Right. And I'm driving home with like a car full of fucking picture frames. And I'm listening to Lil Nat. She was doing like the late night which in retrospect is crazy because they never gave out tickets when I was doing late nights at hot. But, um, Nat did one of those text giveaways and I won tickets to rock the bells again, <laughs> like went back, <laughs> snuck back stage again and, and figured it out. You know, like, I mean, I, I ran into That's him a second time man. and I was like, bro, I want to work with you. And he curved me again, <laughs> you know, same wow. shit. Like you got to go to school. So I, at that time I took school a little more seriously and I made it like two months <laughs> and then I right. dropped out again. Like, <laughs> You know, I'm like, this is crazy shit. Like, I'm not, I don't even know what kind of work I want to do for the dude. Like, it wasn't a focus. Like, my money was the focus at the time. I'm right. living with this girl. I'm trying to pay for this apartment. At that point, the girl had been cheating on me. I found out so there's a bunch of drama and shit. And like, mm. you know, I'm this dusty ass dude. Like, I'm not necessarily like making crazy money. I'm just, I'm getting by. Right. Um, but that's when I get super into the haircutting. And um, I ended up cutting like Lil Fame's hair here and there because he was coming into the barbershop from MOP. He's one of my and, favorite um, rappers, bro, Lil oh, Fame. Okay. He's so underrated. Facts. Fame is one of the greatest, bro. Even even outside of the raps, just the person he is, is like, mm. that man got some crazy fucking energy. Yo, but, um, you know yeah, in, in, in B.I.G.'s warning when he said, oh. um, shout the Lil Fame up in Prospect? Yeah, like, he yeah. was talking about Lil Fame. Yeah, he's talking about Lil Fame. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's real shit. Like, Fame is an icon, bro. Like, people don't give him the props because it's like, I guess, M.O.P., they just look at them as a whole and this and that. But that man's swag is on 100,000. And, like, Facts. this is this is before, with respect to Fame, he knows he's my brother. This is before he got the grill done, everything. Like, yeah. Fame was like, he had money and was in these Brooklyn streets with a Rockefeller deal, fucking getting a haircut from your boy. Like, on some fucking, <laughs> you know, like at Platinum Cuts on fucking Avenue U. Like, my man's was <laughs> chilling. I guess he took the bread, but like the crib around there. And I don't know, but fame is the mm. truth. Dope, and dope. Um, 
So yeah, so you were cutting fame, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, nah, nah, you straight. So I was cutting fame and like, I was still working some of these other jobs. I was into the pizza stuff at that point. Like, cause there was a pizzeria across the street from the barbershop. So I was kind of working like three jobs. And um, I like fast forward, another year goes by and I forgot what happened that third year, but I win tickets again, bro, to Rock the Bells. Again, the <laughs> Yo, same fucking bro, show, right? This is crazy. And you should play Lotto. <laughs> <laughs> I have, it don't work. This is like, this was better than Lotto, I thought, but like, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know how it happened because it's not like that's the only shit I would try to win to. Like I was, I was right. at a barbershop all day. I'm in the car all day. I'm at a pizzeria. So all I'm listening to is radio all day. So yeah. like I'm trying to win Summer Jam. I'm trying to win fucking everything all the time. Never won shit from any other concert. No, no other station. Literally, my luck is like trash. But like for some reason, Rock the Bells, bro. I always ended up getting tickets to that shit through the radio. That's and, crazy. Um, that year, they... um. They had basically moved it to like, um, what was it, Governor's Island? And I seen Fame. Fame helped me sneak backstage that year because it was like <laughs> by that time we was cool. And um, I was backstage with my with my girl at the time that was had been cheating on me and shit. And fucking, I had believe it or not. So I had one tickets right, and then I was in the elevator at Hot to go pick up the tickets. And there was the dude that was handing out from like Metro PCS, like that was bringing the contest tickets. So we get stuck in the wrong elevator at Hot 97. And he's like, what you here for? And I was like, oh, I want tickets to Rock the Bells. He's like, oh, I'm dropping off Rock the Bells tickets. Gave me four more, <laughs> right? So I had yeah, six tickets crazy. that year. And I brought Shorty and being just how I am, like I was I was a little bitch at the time. Like to be completely honest, I was a little needy bitch. And like she wanted to bring all her girls and I gave her four tickets for her and all her girls to come. Oh, I just man. wanted to Right, but her girls left her because she's fucking whatever. Like, yeah. you know, her girls left her ass on Governor's Island with me in the rain, and she was bitching because she wanted to leave and I wasn't leaving, and she like didn't know whether to go with her girls or stay with me. But like, I guess that was like the limit to which she was fucked up is like she yeah. wasn't gonna leave me by myself. So we go backstage with Fame, whatever. I were under this tent, and she's just barking at me, and I think Rosenberg must have seen her bugging out at me, and like. I kind of made contact, like eye contact with him, like with her bugging at me, like facing me. And I was like, hold that thought. And I just walked over to him and I was like, bro, I'm dealing with this bullshit. I'm working all these jobs. I'm fucking, it's raining. Like I need to work. Like what's up? I'll sweep the floors for you. Like what can I do to work with you? Cause I'm trying to be around this shit all the time. And he just gave me his email and was like, you know, hit me up and um, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll try and figure something out. And maybe I hit him up like three days later or a week went by and he he had followed up. He hit me in the email and was like, yo, I'm hosting this event later. Would you want to give me a ride and we could talk more? And um, at the time, so then like after that whole shit with my, with my ex, like we finally was just like, well, all right, we taking a break. So we stopped talking right after Rock the Bells. And um, I was hanging out in my boy's crib and it was the day I had to go pick Rosenberg up for this event. And I had a bullshit car, bro. I was in like a hoopty, like a pizza delivery <laughs> car type shit. And my boy's sister and her homegirl were like posted up in front of the crib in like a new car. And I was just like, yo, would y'all want to give me a ride somewhere? Like I'm, I'm picking up this dude. Like he needs a lift. Like I don't want to pick him up in this shit. Like, you know, yeah. so they drove to the city. I sat in the backseat. Rosenberg got in the backseat with me. I had these girls driving me around. And he's like, yeah, girls drive you around? I'll be like, bro, you say you need to get to this event? I'm getting you to this event. Like, so we went, this shit was lit. And then after that, he just started hitting me for rides all the time. And I got like, you know, then I leased like a little Nissan and fucking started driving him to everything. Like five, six days a week, I was leaving the barbershop, driving him around all night, dropping him off, go back to work in the morning, the pharmacy. Like I was working all these gigs. And yeah, man, it's it just like it just snowballed into this thing that became like, all right, well, I'm his assistant. Then I start taking curses out of songs for radio. He like taught me how to use GarageBand. Um, and then, you know, I was working. I got a job at Sleepy's. I, I stopped working at all these random jobs. My dad was able to like he came home. He got a job at Sleepy's. He got me a gig in there and it was like paid a lot more money. So I was working crazy hours, but like I was making a lot more bread where that was like the only gig I had to do. And I started just kind of like sleeping in Sleepy's, driving Rosenberg, sleeping in Sleepy's, driving Rosenberg. And then a job opened up on um, Hot 97 Street Team. And that was like how I kind of got in the door. Like, um, shout out to Janky and, and Pat. They was like, Pat runs HR and Janky did Street Team at the time. And they was like, we see him at all the events. He always in a suit. Like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> we'll hire this kid, even if he's not going to intern. Like, and I got a little $10 an hour Street Team job that was like two, three days a week. And once I had access to the station, bro, I was just living in that bitch. Like, yeah. once I got there, I was like, where's the studio? I'm sleeping in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. And then you transitioned and, and started doing your own show. Now you got your show on iHeartMedia. Like, 
Yeah. You know, what what made you transition into looking to be the on well, not looking to be the on air, but well, what made you transition into being that on air guy? Well, so I was very fortunate to have sleepies, even though it was the worst job I ever had. It, it paid the most. So like I didn't have to really necessarily take whatever the station would give me. And, you know, you work at Hot 87. It's like there's only one job that you really right. trying to get. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You getting, you getting know, on air. Got to get on air. Like, I mean, that's the only shit you could really do. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, I wasn't going to go to sales at Hot and make less than Sleepies. Like, I, you know, they offered me a production job, but like I knew I didn't want to be a production guy. Mm. I didn't think I wanted to even be an on air guy. Like, to tell you the truth, I never wanted to be on air necessarily, but like, it was like the same shit as working at the pizzeria, bro. Like I worked in pizza with this dude. He's like a world champion. Like I wanted to make the best shit I could make. Like it wasn't just the check. Like any job I ever had at Sleepy's, I want to be the top salesman. Like I really just, I want to do shit to the, to the highest level I can wherever I'm at. And you know, at hot, that's just get on air. So I just tried to kind of take the steps I could take to to start positioning myself for that. Um, You know, when doing podcasts, I, me and Juanito got very tight. I did a lot of like behind the scenes stuff for like Flex's show. Like he he asked me to produce his Saturdays. So I was doing that every week. Um, I was staying there producing Rosenberg Sunday shows. I was just like really submerging myself in the culture up there um, in the sense of like, you know, like I, I could talk some shit. Like, you know, I was a barber. So like I was always good right. at talking shit. You know, I had some jokes. I got into like the internet shit pretty early with doing skits and like, you know, having like like the fat boy, Shiggy, like early on shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just kind of naturally evolved to that, man. Like I, I was doing all these board op hours and uh, there was a girl doing the overnight that I guess she she found something else she wanted to do and left or whatever happened with her. You know, I'm not trying to put her shit out there, but right. like long story short, they just ended up needing somebody one night to cover the overnight. And, you know, I was just known to be early and stay late and they just put <laughs> me on and I pressed the buttons for a year without talking at all, you know? Wow. And, a year in, they was like, you know, you could like tell them there's like Ebro's coming up next or like a contest. Like the, this dude PO came in, who's the program director still. And he was very like, you know, open to me kind of like he, he kind of took me on, on as a mentor. And in some extent, he kind of put me on to like, here's how you do a talk break. Here's how you um structure what you're going to say to like have the punch to hit the post. Like, mm. and I just learned a little bit. Like I, I really dove my head into the books only so much, but like PO really believed in me and gave me a chance to talk my shit. And then once you start getting the reactions, you know, your friends is hitting you three in the morning. Yo, shout me out and this and that. Yeah, because when when I heard you, it was on it, it was on a super late night. It was like on some overnight shit. So, yeah, like I, I can imagine. And now I'm interested to know because you only see shit like this in movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the overnight shift like? Like, so back in the day, I used to rap. Right. And. Uh -huh. I was on, um, you remember that show Future Flavors? But <laughs> yo, me on. this is a throwback. So Future Flavors was hosted by Fly Ty and Mr. Magic. Okay. Um, and these dudes like randomly brought me up. I, I didn't rap or anything like at the time. They just, I was thinking I was going to go up there and burn it down like I was on Funkmaster Flex or something. <laughs> but that wasn't the kind of situation that it was. Um, so they brought me up there and I was like answering the phones. Right. And the shit that people would say on the phones was insane. I got to give a shout out at like the end of the show, but they just had me as a person like, yeah, such and such is here. And, you know, if you want to say something to him, whatever. <laughs> but what are some of the craziest things that happened to you working that late night shift on Hot 97? I mean, so I'll tell you, the craziest thing is that there was most nights that I was on. I didn't even get to talk for the first two hours because I'd come in and Flex would be there talking to Red Alert and Chuck <laughs> Chill Out and like literally they didn't give a fuck that I had a show to do. Like, Flex didn't right. give a fuck less that I was even there to talk. Like, so I would just sit there quiet as hell, mind my business, and just absorb all the shit that they would talk about. And, you know, like, if you go back over the past couple of years, Flex has had his moment. So it's like to hear the behind the scenes and oh then watch him go on air, that shit was the crazy. Were you, were you there for the This Is Hove situation? <laughs> you were there for that? I've been there for, like, damn near everything for the past, like, eight, nine years, bro. Like, oh I've my seen gosh. a lot of shit. And, is, and it, is there any parts of it that, well, I wouldn't ask you to, to say anything you can't say, <laughs> but is there anything, like, because Flex has, has definitely had some. <laughs> I have my feelings on funk and all that. I love Flex to death. Like, to tell you the truth, it's, I, I always put it like this. Flex is like an uncle that, like, 
you had a barbecue with your girl and your uncle is there and he was always the flyest dude. And now you got this cute girl and your uncle, like he still got it type shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like your uncle, you got to chill. Like, it's not that crazy. But he's just like, <laughs> this is how Jay-Z fucking, <laughs> like he's wilding. Um, but I'll say this, bro. Anything he says on air, he says behind the scenes, he, he might go on a bigger rant behind the scenes, but nothing that I feel he would say behind the scenes that he wouldn't say on air. Like, yeah. that man is just relentlessly himself and he don't give any fucks. If he had a pocket full of fucks, you couldn't get one type shit like <laughs> my man is just not he's, scared. he's definitely comfy up there yo he is yeah. comfortable so i mean I, i'll tell you though a lot of people always feel like all right well you gotta move on and this and that like i always believe that that's not the case with him like he's somebody that i think he's exactly where he needs to be um when it, when it comes to my thoughts on like the artists like i do think that when you talk to artists you have to sincerely be a fan of them to get the best content but at the same time, I'm not a radio dude. So to each his own, you know, like, mm. and that, and that's what it is. And I say this more than any talk break I ever did on air. Anybody I shouted, any interview I've ever done, the best times at Hot was definitely being in the studio, listening to Red, Funk, and, and Chuck talk they shit. Word. So, you know, like for me, that that's really everything. And, you know, it's, I can't say that, like, I've had moments where people call the phones. I had a girl in a fucking bathtub eating a fucking... What's that shit called? Um, that they got a golden crust. <laughs> oh, the, shit, the beef the patty. Beef patty. This girl's like, I'm in a bathtub eating a beef patty right now. Listen to you. <laughs> but, like, I've heard some crazy shit, but nothing has been more trippy than just being in a room watching Flex kind of like watching his mind go through how he's gonna handle certain situations and what was gonna happen on that radio in like less than thirty seconds type shit. So. I mean, for me, that that was everything. And then, like, for the overnight, you know, once once he got his hair cut or finished talking his shit and packed up and he had, like, you know, HR and triple threat, like, wrap up the audio for the night and everybody left, then it's just me in an empty studio. Um, more times than not after Drewski. So Drewski would come on 2 to 3, and he would just send a mix most of the time. So, like, he would send me the mix at, like, 1.30. I'd put it in the computer, play Drewski's mix, and then just be there myself and not really get to talk for the first time till 3 a.m. when the streets was just quiet. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily, like, I was getting a lot of reactions, but it was just, like, you know, it was, it's trippy, bro. Like, I'm a random fucking dude. Like, and I got this <laughs> microphone that Flex is yelling on 10 minutes, like, to a couple hours before me, like, at my disposal to do whatever. And, like, I, I think not necessarily prioritizing a career in broadcasting worked to my benefit but also a little bit against me because i definitely took chances i played some shit you know that i probably wasn't supposed to play i talked some shit like i would sneak certain people's records in because i knew they was hot and like it would get a reaction and at three in the morning like you know the only things happening was me and fucking cc show you know like right so were you allowed to play whatever you wanted or you had to stick with this so i mean for the longest time i had to stick to the schedule and and i did for the most part but there would be like hours where they would schedule like 55 minutes and i'd have like three minutes left to pick a song and more times than not when you have that like little three minute window to pick a song you got to play like a, a throwback it's like a biggie like play juicy or play like more money right. more problems or and i would always just take that as an opportunity to play some new shit so like that that couple of seconds would come and i'd be like oh like uh tory lane's got some shit playing it like and I would kind of like get into that zone where it, like even with kids like Rich the Kid, like Rich the Kid, I, I started getting cool with like there was certain artists that like, you know, started kind of hitting me up that I knew they they made sense for radio and they would be, they were going to get there quickly. And I would try and be like the first on it. Um, but it was very calculated. Like it, I didn't get out of control. I never like played one of my homies records or like like I always made everybody earn every single spin. I never took money for shit. Like I was really big and just like. Not even necessarily that I could still use the money type shit, but like nobody could buy me. Like that's that's the time I was on. Is like if you could buy one spin, then I'm gonna get a hundred people wanting to buy a spin, and it's just a slippery yeah. slope. So I mean, you, the, the short answer is no. I didn't play what I wasn't supposed to play, but like I always try to finesse to have a little uniqueness. And then um, you know, not to ramble, but like my last year there, uh, PO kind of started to see that I was getting more energy on the internet and like in the streets, and I was the first to kind of do a lot of podcasts with artists. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I'll give you an hour. He's like, I'll give you an hour after K Slay where you could just have a show called The Takeover. You play what you want to play. And That's then dope. I went crazy. Then I went fucking, then I had Juice World Up, The Baby, YB in the Mirror, Rich the Kid, uh, Jay Critch, fucking, you name it. Like, you name it. Every artist for the past three years, like, I fucking found them and I broke that shit. Like, worldwide, French artists, uh, artists from Japan, it made no sense. I played Doja Cat Moo on the radio because I knew it was moving <laughs> on the internet. Like, no cat. <laughs> I was, and I dropped bombs <laughs> on that shit. Like, 
That's crazy. Damn, man. That I, I gotta say, you you definitely I could see you crushing some broadcasting shit, man. I feel like they need to um to bump you up in, in, in the schedule a little bit. Well, they fired but, me, so <laughs> well look, man, you know, you want to bigger and better things, baby. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I don't I don't know how many people watch this, but life does come full circle and I am having some conversations and I do have a chip on my shoulders. So I don't know what the future of broadcasting holds for me, but I definitely I, I enjoyed setting tones for the time I did. And I intend to set a lot more. If yeah, that's not too vague. Um, no, no. But it was necessary. Like, to, I mean, to speak on getting fired, because a lot of people ask about that and I don't talk about it, but I hope people watch this interview for real, for real. Yeah. Just speak on getting fired. It was the best fucking thing that ever happened to me because when you're up at a radio station and you have all that energy, bro, and you know, Flex is going crazy. He don't give a fuck about you. Like as much as I'm sure there's somewhere down in there, like that, that's fam. That man's competitive as well as a lot of other people. And you know, it wasn't really a team sport. It was like every show for themselves. So that shit yeah. was getting the best out of me because I I didn't want to be a broadcaster. You know, I just kind of wanted to be around some of my heroes and shit and. Once that shit started getting competitive and, and high school, like lunchroomy, it, it yeah. really put me in a bad place. So getting fired put me in a place where like I really had to embrace my own gangster and start doing these podcasts. And that's when I linked with iHeart and, you know, the no name of shame show and, and Richie, my boy, um, you know, Chris Hodge and just like a bunch of people. And now now I feel really good that if broadcasting does work out, I could do it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you you you've gone through the motions and I seen y'all drinking some Dom Perignon, man. It can't be a, it can't be going too bad. I mean, I, that's not me. That's Slay and, and Flex would drink all that shit. Slay would come in with a bottle every week, bro. And that man play <laughs> on CDs. Like that's the truth. But nah, I mean, you you know what it is? It's like, it's, it's hard to explain because you would think when, when somebody got shit like that, that it's everything. But I think, I think Jay Cole talks about it the best in his music where it's like the money don't really mean shit. Like, Facts. because, I tell you, bro, I never had a girlfriend or after that one girl. Like the whole time I was at Hot 97, not one girlfriend, not mm. fucking no time going with my friends out. I wasn't somebody who was in the clubs. I don't entertain none of these bitches. I was working midnight till 6 a.m. every day. And again, coming in early, staying late, six days a week, you know? Wow. And then the stress was just fucking me up that I would come home and smoke and be in a coma until I had to go back. And doing that for so long. It looks like you really well because I could go to any party because I have these girls' attention. But like internally, I was just like fucking. I was like wearing myself to the ground, bro. Yeah, nice. Yo, your your story and how you get on got on is just is crazy, man. Yo, I gotta say, shout to Peter Rosenberg, bro. That's a real chosen one. The chosen. That's a real dude, (laughs) man. Like I'm somebody. I listen to the morning show every morning in the car. And, um, you know, I love I love all those guys. I, I love all the like little different personalities. But like I, I drive my wife to work and it'll it'll be very male for a little while. And like they'll say some like male one sided shit. And then Rosenberg will chime in as like the same male. Like, well, <laughs> like he be saving me in the mornings, man. If it wasn't for Rosenberg, my wife wouldn't let me listen to it, man. So listen, and I hope whoever at Hot 97 is watching this really takes that into account seriously. Like I'll look straight at the camera, take that into account. That man is really the goat. And I don't think he gets all the credit he deserves too. at least when it comes to hip hop and, and morning radio ESPN, that man is going to take the title wwe he's already taken the title facts he's a monster at hip-hop bro that he loves like he lives for hip-hop like more than i do like i love i got hip-hop in my name but like i'm not even like i'm more into the clout and the hype and like i have i'm a fan of a lot of shit but rosenberg lives for hip-hop like to another level that i don't think anybody could ever understand that's that's crazy man yeah I, i watched your interview with um dude from no jumper (laughs) <laughs> and I, and y'all was talking a little bit about clout, man. I I feel like you have a very interesting perspective on that. Now, I personally, I wouldn't consider you a clout chaser. Like clout chasers do clout chasing shit. We all clout chasers. <laughs> <laughs> In we a sense, right? There's a In respect the, to it. <laughs> right, right, right. In a sense, man. Like I feel like somebody, somebody that's a clout chaser is like you know, you're willing, you're willing to go to extents that other people aren't. Um, I mean, there's people that want the clout and there's people that need the clout. And, and I think for me, it's like, I tell artists all the time, it's not where you're seen, it's how you're seen. Like I prioritize life with how I'm seen to some extent and and not just in 
the, you know, the external sense, but like in the mirror, like, you know, like I want to definitely be somebody that I'm proud of that the people around me can be proud of inspired by. Right. I don't want to ever have to answer to nobody. So like, I think when it comes to cloud, it's the same thing. You know, some people, they just, they need to be seen a certain way. And they think that by buying the Louis, it's like, it's going to fucking help them be seen that way. But like, there's another layer to it where it's like, don't get me wrong. I want the Louis and the Gucci and all that shit right. too. But like, I want it because it's just like, it gives me a little bit of more motivation and feel like I actually like, like, and, and I'm sure all of that is superficial bullshit, you know, like to tell you the truth, like I don't need the Louis, you know, but like, right. I definitely, I'd rather if you gave me a fucking gap bag with a thousand dollars in it or a Louis bag that was empty, I'm going gap bag all day unless I could flip the Louis bag for more. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like I think people just are so lost in that. Like, how am I seen? And, and, not for nothing, I'll be I'll be completely transparent, even if this kills any opportunity that I have anywhere. I think that's my thing with, with when it comes to people like Funk. Like as much as I love him and I and I it's I would have a hard time saying it to his face because I just I like that man is just very intimidating. But like if there was one thing I'd want to say is really that, bro, is like just if you really focus on shit that's genuine, that you really love, everything is gonna come. Like you didn't get in this position just playing fucking who's hot. You got in this position playing shit that you fucking ran with Cold Crush because Cold Crush ran with you and y'all set a tone in this city. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. And I think it's important to to let other people really see that that's what got you there. Not the fact that it was a slot or a time or an audience. It was that energy and, and challenge people to really channel that more. Like that's my whole thing is, you know, cause I kind of, I look at it like that. That's, that was my whole thing with Adam with no jumper. Yeah. It's like, you know, my man just wants to be fucking lit. And it's like, you're not really doing shit of substance, bro. Like, I love you, but like, it's, you're not, people ain't learning shit from this. They just thinking the more outrageous they're going to be, the more eyes you're going to put in their face. And it's like, to what prevail? Mm. Like it, the man that did it the best of anybody is Trump and look where it fucking got him. He went from right. being a beloved old crazy white guy on The Apprentice to like the most hated fucking human in history. Word, word. Like, I mean, if that's what you want, like but that's yeah, why I said, But he, he got what he wanted to be, right? Like, I mean, did yeah. he? Like, did you? Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> did you? Because I said the same with this Bernie shit. Like, Bernie wanted to be president, but like, do you, bro? Like, all yeah. things taken into account, I want to date fucking, I, put me on the phone with Tanache right now. But it's like, <laughs> we, we actually get together and maybe we don't vibe. And it's like, all right, am I just doing this because like, you know, the aesthetic, right. like it's it, it, like it's not fulfilling. So I think that's really the success is when you're doing shit that's actually inspiring people to do shit that's going to fulfill them. And then you come bring that all together. Right. Like, it's you, funny. I, I was just going to ask, um, <laughs> what what is it that inspires you? you know, like, um, to, to get to the, you know, to, cause you are a diverse guy. You, you, you have a lot of different things going on. Like what is your number one passion? That's, that's the hardest question of anything. That's harder than what's my favorite song to tell you. <laughs> I, bro, I ask myself this every day and it's like, my passion is literally whatever that is like what we was just talking about, like whatever figuring out that is, right. is my passion. And, I think I've done it with pizza. Like I understand how this dude, my boy Nino Caniglio was like the craziest dude ever, but he makes a fucking incredible pizza. And it's like dissecting the, the being that he is to really understand how he's able to train himself to be a bread maker, but not do his laundry. Like, it, <laughs> you know, like it's crazy shit. And, and I don't know if there's a title or career in that at all, but that's, that's really what it is for me. I take inspiration from everything from flex to fucking to food hearing, hearing you talk about wine, bro. Like not for nothing. Like, that shit's inspiring. It makes me want to go study up on wine a little bit and not maybe not to the extent that like to where you take it. But I think that's the thing is like if you take it to that extent with the wine and wifey takes it to that extent with the weed and y'all compliment right. each other. Right. That's the most beautiful shit that could come from anything. So, you know, I, I do that across the board, whether it's like, you know, having a conversation with Kaepernick when I was cutting his hair about shit that I don't know anything about football, you know, like. <sighs> And or talking to Rosenberg about life or, you know, being around Flex and Red Alert and hearing about, you know, the good old days and like how they really did shit. Like, right. I think I take inspiration from so many things that it's so hard to figure out what's that one thing. And now it's like the predicament of, all right, well, I need I'm 30 years old. Like, I got to figure out the fuck I'm doing. And I, I can't say that I love being on Hot 97 any less or more than I love making cookies, you know, and it's like <laughs> they both kind of made some money. Cookies, probably more money, but. Hot 97, you set the tone a little more and it's not like one doesn't compliment the other. So it's it's hard to figure out what that one thing is. And I hate that the world puts people in a box where they have to figure out what that one thing is. 
Mm, mm, that's a good piece. Uh, this is actually a good point to to get into these cookies, man. <laughs> Bro, I'm on a diet right now. I'm I'm the heaviest that I've ever been in my entire life. And I'm <laughs> prepping for this interview and I'm looking at these cookies, bro. Like, how did how did that start? And and cookies and shrimp. It is it's basically like were you just like high one day and like, hmm, yeah. let's throw all this stuff in a pot and put it in. <laughs> like, how'd that work? I don't know shit about cookies, to tell you the truth. Like, I, um, so when, I'll tell you, so I got fired from Hot 97, um, October 31st, 2019. And the first thing that happened was like, I was like, fuck, I need to get another job. And my backup plan has always been pizza. I didn't really know how I was going to make money. So I, I hit up, um, this dude, Pizza Pusher. I don't know if you ever heard Pizza Pusher. Yeah, dude. yeah. So me and him had gotten tight because he came up for an interview. My, my old manager uh, set up an interview between me and him. And he just told me, he's like, he's in a music. He's in a pizza. I'm in a music. I'm in a pizza. This guy's making crazy money every week. You're my hero. So like, yeah. when shit fucking, <laughs> you know, when shit hit the fan and plus the weed, obviously I'm a big fan of weed, Um, even though I've quit since, but I like for now, um, which is a whole nother thing, but <laughs> I hit him up and I was like, yo, like, I like, can I work with you? Like, is there any money to be made? And, He's like, of course, you want to make pizza? Like he had been wanting me to make pizza for some time. And to tell you the truth, like, you know, quarantine hit a couple months later, I was doing this station head job and, you know, kind of trying to do a little bit of radio, a little bit of the food stuff. And um, as on the back burner and when, when station had closed down because of COVID, I started smoking again and getting unhealthy and, and I hit pizza push. Like, yo, you can send one of those pizzas. And he's like, I'll send a pizza if you come look at the spot. And I was like, bet I'll come look at the spot. And I went and looked at the place where he cooks and it was just like fucking drink kitchen, weed and pizza. Like, so like <laughs> okay, I'll do this a couple of days a week. And I started working with him like maybe four or five days a week, just making pies. And it, it got me back into the cooking aspect because I hadn't done that since years before working in Brooklyn at the pizza spot. And um, long story short, like pizza push it. It, it was just like a, a lot of people recognize me and I'm not trying to get in no trouble anymore, you know. So I, I was like, listen, I can't do this. And that's when I hit up my boy Nino, who's like world champion pizza dude, like mm. literally 12 years in a row, like wins at the Pizza Expo, like makes the best pizza. He runs um, all the recipes for Williamsburg Pizza. If y'all are in New York and have Williamsburg Pizza, it's phenomenal. Um, he curated all that menu and, and a lot of others. And um, he basically, I was like, bro, like I'm, you know, I'm doing pizza again. He's like, well, why are you making that fucking garbage pizza? You should come make some fucking real pizza. I'll teach you how to make real fucking pizza. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, bet. And he had an apartment. Um, He has a house in Brooklyn with an empty apartment. And I was like, I'll move in with you and you could train me how to make pizza, like for real. And I moved in with him and he started training me every day on like, he has a garden in his backyard. So we started like growing fresh vegetables, letting ladybugs go to kill like aphids on fucking on leaves so that like mm. we could get like sweeter melons and like all kinds of shit. And then he was like, all right, well, here's how you use a sous vide. Here's how you make bread. Here's how, here's the kind of flours you use. Here's where the flours are imported from. Here's why you use this mm. cheese, or this cheese. And every day it was just like assisting Nino in some crazy fucking pizza science experiment. And like down to like, all right, we got to go pick up fucking vegetables. And like, I had a car, he doesn't drive. So he's like, bring me to fucking Avianti's, bring me to fucking or whatever the fuck. Avanti, Avanti's, I think it's called. It's like a produce spot in like the middle of nowhere in Williamsburg. And I'm just living between like Williamsburg and Bushwick with Nino and his fucking pizza laboratory. He got like a wood burning oven outside, a fucking electric oven inside. He's got a $4,000 Italian dough mixer coming in on a fucking, like literally bro, this truck pulls up with like a crate fucking all Italian writing on it. And it's just like a fucking $4,000 mixer in, in front of his brownstone. And we're picking up this fucking thing. It's like a thousand pounds trying to carry it up these steps. Like, Oh my God. And he got a slicer that's like a hand slicer that like it's like you have to fucking wheel it and he's getting like truffle hams imported and all kinds of crazy shit and yeah man that just that made me feel like all right like is, there's a science to this he's not just a crazy dude like this man's well studied and and i got he got me to start reading these books i read this fucking this tartine bread book about this mm. dude chad robertson who's like the best fucking baker and like and um like uh san francisco and like i just started learning so much about pizza and, and bread and food and everything um down to like the science of like how hot shit needs to be in dough hydration and i just got carried away with it as you can see i could talk about that shit all day but 
um, learning about flower. I, I basically, I was like living with Nino and doing all that. And he's just a crazy person. And, you know, I could only deal with so much of it before I'm like, all right, well, I'm spending a lot of money on flower and not making anything. <laughs> so I came back to Long Island and I was like, you know what? Fucking let me chill. Like, I'm going to just, I'm going to do pizza shit, but like not with Nino because Nino's not about making money all the time. He makes money, you know, he's about having fun and I, I'm not in a position to have fun. And my homegirl is like, yo, you got that flower? Like, my homegirl lives in Arizona. I was talking to her about, um, you know, everything. And she's like, what kind of flower you got? She's a baker. And she's like, oh, you should make cookies with that flower. They come out crazy. Mm. And I was like, why not? Fuck it. Send me the recipe. So she sent me the recipe. I made cookies. And I started posting on the gram. And everybody started blowing me up. Like, yo, what the fuck kind of cookies are those? And I'll be honest. So I don't when, you, when you made your first cookie, was it like a mashup, like the way that you do right now? Or was it just like a standard? Well, cookie? it was, so when I made the first one, it was a little more simple. Um, what had happened was, is like, I was just doing it for fun. Like, so I would make all this stuff, but I'm very like, I'm focused on my healthy shit. And like, I think when, I, when the only times I've ever been healthy is when I'm around like bad food all the time. Cause it makes me not want to eat it. Like mm. if I'm not around bad food, I want to eat bad food. But if I'm like working at a pizzeria, the last thing I want is pizza. So, you know, unless it's Nino's pizza, but um, <laughs> that, that was a whole nother, that's some shit. But yeah, I was basically like going to this health food store every day by my crib and I would bring them the cookies I was making because I didn't want to eat them all. I'm like, I'm going to get fat as shit. And I would bring go to the health cookies food to the health food store. Yeah. And I would trade the girl there for like avocado toast, like acai bowl. Like, I would be on my healthy shit. And, um, you know, Shorty was just like a cool girl. Like, you know, her and her man's own this health food store. And I would just hook them up with cookies. And it was like, it was cool to see their reaction, you know? Cause I was like doing that in the pizza and they'd be like, yo, we never had anything like this. Like, this is crazy. And I was like, you know, it's a good reaction you want to get. So um, after some time they were like, yo, we should partner. Like we'll help you with the cookie shit. And they have the whole space, everything. Um, long story short, they fucking screwed me. They had me sign an NDA. Cause I don't know business. They like, she was, she didn't know business either but her man's new business and fucking long story short, did me hella dirty. He tried to get me sign on some NDA was supposed mm. to establish the company as the three of us fucking cut me out of it of my own shit stole my recipe wow. and um and i was just like all right fuck this i stopped going to health food store which is which is dumb as shit of them because i was spending probably like five grand a year in that health food store <laughs> on top of giving them free everybody shit. wants to get away with something everybody bro it's so fucked up because like it, it could have been a good relationship and she was cool as hell but he's he was honestly he's one of these meathead fucking trump kids from long island that's like not the kind, like literally the people that I wanted to stay the fuck away from since day one. Right. And it's just like, you know, it just happened that I, I tried to be cool. You know, she was a nice girl. She did. She was working in his store technically. And I was like, you know, it'd be something for her. Like we became friends. He would go back and forth from here to fucking Florida anyway. I don't know what their deal was, but they would start fighting. It just got uncomfortable. And I was like, I don't really want nothing to do with this. Yeah. And when I said that, he was like, well, you got an NDA, so you can't do it yourself anyway. And I was like, like I, I literally like just gave y'all everything. Shit. Yeah, I gave y'all everything to start a company. I built you an Instagram, gave you my recipes, and now I'm just saying keep the money. We did one drop together. It made eight hundred dollars the first drop. I say keep the money, keep the recipes. I just don't want nothing to do with this. And he's like, "Well, you don't have to have nothing to do with it, but you can't make cookies." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, I can't make cookies now. That's that's, <laughs> that's how we're gonna do this." And I got a lawyer, and I talked, to, and the lawyer's like, "This is fucking bullshit." And he's like, make all the fucking cookies you want. And then I started making cookies out of spite. And I was like, now I'm making these cookies to another level. Like, because now they got like my good recipe. I need to like develop it. So mm. then I spent like two months just developing the fuck out of my recipe. Like getting to a point where I was like, these are going to be the best fucking cookies anybody's ever had. And I'm going to put the craziest marketing behind them. And I linked up with like ass pizza, like shout out my boy ass pizza, a little hazy, like helped me name the company cookie chemist and. I just I baked that a spite like straight up and and so have you ever watched um Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, this is my latte, Larry. <laughs> you opened a spite store. <laughs> yup, this is exactly that's exactly what this is. This Yo, is- you opened my man opened a spite store in real life. That's this is I'm open right now. You can order cookies, Cookie Chemist Co. Out of spite, they contain all the spite in the world and it's delicious. It makes them more delicious, doesn't it? It makes them so delicious, and I don't even eat them. I don't even eat them. I just love making them. Like as much that's as I wild. love being on radio, I love baking these cookies just out of spite because it's like, that's again, that's my whole shit, bro. Is like, I really, I don't, I, I don't want people to think like you need fucking Louie to be cool. Like you don't like, you right. could have, you go be a doctor, a lawyer and a fucking astronaut all at once. You still can't get backstage at Summer Jam if you don't know the right people. <laughs> so it's like be a genuine human right. first and foremost. But yeah, the, the cookies started out of spite and 
I always joke around, but like I'm low key serious about like I don't eat them because I treat it like the ten crack commandments and my cookies is crack and like you don't get high on <laughs> supply. Yo, you be eating them shits all day, I'm sure. Shorty, Shorty's asking me earlier. She's like, "How do you not eat all this shit?" Because I'm like, bro, my whole kitchen. I'm gonna show you. I got fucking every kind of like everything. Like I have like everything. I got. I partner with exotic snacks. I get these Oreos from like Japan. These like cookies and cream. <laughs> I get fucking strawberry cheesecake pretzels. I'll be on some next shit with these. Yo. <laughs> so, yeah, so can we talk a little I bit got, about yeah. about the flavors that you use? Like, yeah, like look at this. What, what was that? This is a Lady Gaga Oreo pack, like limited edition. These Oreos is fucking pink, bro. Like, wow. These Oreos is crazy. And you'll make a cookie with that. Like, you. And, you- and I could low key, and I could throw it out because I'm not going to eat it. No cat. Like, I'm wow. not going to eat none of that shit. <laughs> I'll put them in some cookies. Like, I know people love that shit. Yeah, that's interesting, man. So to give people a little bit of an idea of one of your cookies, like, can you give us some uh, some ingredients that might be in a mashup? If it's like, I mean, I'll I'll tell y'all, I'm not going to tell you how much, but I use Caputo flour is like an imported flour from Italy. Um, I won't say what variation of it, because there's a lot of different variations, but Caputo flour is by far like the most elite of all flour you could use for pizza dough to pastries to fucking anything. It's very, very tough to get, um, at least the, the one that I get, um, and it's expensive, uh, but I use Caputo flour. I use um, not necessarily like the best butter, which I, I'd like to use better butter, but it's not available at like the scale that I need. So I use like the second best butter, um, right. which is I could, you could get it like Restaurant Depot type shit, um, you know, wholesale. I, I use regular eggs, um, the sugar. I, it's just I use like regular sugar, regular brown sugar, white sugar. Um, but it's like, you know, it's the amount of, of what you use. And then it's also right. like how you prepare it. So like, you know, like there's different ways. Like, for example, if you take flour and you like really jam it into a cup you're gonna get a different amount of flour as if you like fluff it into the cup type like if you just don't you know so it's a technique too as much as it's like ingredients um but i definitely use the highest quality ingredients that i could use at the scale that i'm making the cookies and so aside from from those things you'll also throw in like these crazy snacks that you just can't find anywhere well like yeah to, to speak to the quality so this the, the snacks is exotic snacks they have all this crazy shit this kid drives from here to fucking detroit to pennsylvania to tallahassee to fucking wherever to get whatever he can wherever he can get it wow. so like i have a really great snack plug that's able to get me shit that you can't really find just in any store um but when it comes to quality i definitely want to address this for anybody watching because obviously you have a wine audience and, and a lot of people might think that like the most expensive wine is the best wine. It's Facts. not the case of sure. And it's the same with food. You know, it's, it's how you, it's, it's such a thing that's like kind of unspoken when it comes to vibes. Like maybe the most expensive is the best in a certain situation, but like a lot of times the most expensive in the wrong situation, isn't going to do it for you, you know? And it's, that's the same with pizza and cookies and everything. You could go get all this Caputo flour you want and make your cookie recipe. But if you're not preparing it in a certain way, right. if you're not really like, like I go, bro, I'll go as far as to like talk to the mix, <laughs> like, <laughs> like how you talk to plants. Like I'll go as far as right. be like, you got this, like, like that is. So it's, it's the technique and it's how you finesse it. It's not just buy expensive shit, which I mean, we, yeah. we talked about with clout too. Yeah. And it, wine is definitely the same way. Like there's a bunch of different, um factors that will come into play with like creating a price like so much of the cost of wine comes down to the real estate that the grapes are grown on you know mm-hmm. but yeah. that might not be your jam you know what i mean like maybe maybe you don't it, it's all subjective you know what i'm saying like some Thanks. people might really like cookies but if they too sweet then you know or like I'm not one of them. Like I like my cookies sweet as hell, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I do variations, bro. Because I have like you. You're never gonna find any company that has 20 different types of cookies available at any given time. Like most of them do three packs, six packs. Like I'm like you could go on and get a cinnamon one. You could get a sweet one, a sour one. You could get a strong one, a soft one, a fucking oatmeal. Like there's yeah. so many ways that I like to give people like so you could really have different flavors in your palate. It's I, I love that you said that too, because I didn't even think about that of like what real estate the wine's grown on. But like, Facts. is somebody that's like, does I really don't know much about wine. 
I'm, I would never think, I would think like, oh, like expensive wine is probably better grapes, but like, you don't necessarily think of like, what's better about the grapes. And then it's like, how long are they out? What kind of weather is it? Like, there's so many layers that like, I can't yeah. even you know, wrap my head around it with that. Yeah, it's true. Like with wine, um, the best way to think about it is like growing conditions for the grapes. Like the same reason people think Florida oranges are the best. Um, you know, if, it, if Florida was like wine country, you know, the spots that that got the best amount of sun, the best had the best soil, had the correct climate, the right amount of rainfall and stuff. That's all going to come into play when creating that good product, you know. But shit, it's all God's work. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and for cookies, bro, that flour is is expensive for a reason. It's, it's where Facts. they grow it. It's how they mill it, you know, and then tell you this when you eat my cookies is it's different because that flour is super digestible so it's like you could eat a half pound cookie and and feel like you ate a small famous amos or, or oreo because the flour is so digestible like you could literally run a mile after eating my cookies and not feel sick not feel heavy like they yo it's just that's crazy great taste like it, they're very digestible um so how can how how should i tell the people to get a hand to get their hands on some cookies from the cookie chemist. Hey, I mean, hiphopmike.com slash cookies. Everything's at hiphopmike. Like, if y'all looking for me, that's that's the way to find me. Got you. And what you playing in the background when you baking these cookies, man? Yeah, trap music. Me <laughs> <laughs> in the trap house uh, cooking up. I've like... been playing some NBA Youngboy, but I'll, I'll listen to podcasts too. It depends, like, what, like, you know, how many, um, how many batches I got. Like, on days where I got to do, like, six, seven batches, like, back to back to back. I'll put on Joe Rogan and just listen to some fucking stories. Like I'm, I'm really big on, um, outside of like, that's what helped me really get over the depression that came with radio is like, I listen mm. to podcasts. I listen to Ted talks. I listen to like gurus that lecture shit, like sad guru or fucking Krishnamurti or like, I listen to a lot of different, uh, shit, but if I'm just knocking out a batch trap music, if I have six or seven to do, I listen to a podcast and just kind of like hear some stories and, trying yeah. to add to whatever the fuck is happening up here. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Real quick before we get out of here, um I always ask my my people from the from the uh, music industry, um what can the wine industry do to get closer to the hood? You know, like we trying to we trying to find ways to bring wine into different communities. Wine can be seen as like an elitist drink and put a lot of people off. Um yeah, so what do you think question. the wine industry should do? to connect with more people from the hood. Y'all y'all need a Kanye, bro. Like not for nothing. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, maybe more of a Virgil, but there would be no Virgil without Kanye. I think that's the thing, bro. Cause if the baby popped out tomorrow, like this is wine and this is what the fuck we messing with. Like that's, yeah. and it's unfortunate that it's like that to tell you the truth, because I think there's a lot of beauty in just like not necessarily giving a fuck about what other people do also. Like I, I'll be honest, I was scared to make cookies, like straight up. Mm. I was scared as hell more than anything to make cookies. Cause I'm like, people look at me as this radio dude, this rap dude, like, and now I look like I fucking lost a job at Hot 97 and I'm making cookies in a fucking apartment right now. Like what, what fucking failure is that, you know? But I think when you look past the face value of it, there's so much joy that's come with it. And that's that's the thing people in the hood need to realize about wine is it's not necessarily just about how you look drinking it but like there's an art to it and you know i'd I'd rather buy some fucking wine and show that off than show off the louis or the fucking jays that everybody got facts like, i don't Yo, know we we interviewed um dave east on the podcast a yeah. couple weeks ago yeah we drank a bottle of 1995 krug man that shit cost 500 dollars. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's a champagne that nobody ever heard of. Like, no one's in the hood, like, posting bottles of Krug and all that. I'm just like, yo, there's some fly shit happening over here that is totally missing people. But you're doing it right, bro. Like, just making people aware, I think, is incredible. It's it's the same with the cookies and pizza, anything. I think people just love shit. They don't realize, like, even even with designer. I mean, fashion is number one, really, with, with the hood. They, everybody wants diamonds. Everybody wants ice and fucking Louis and Gucci. But... They don't realize like why do you want diamonds? Like di why are diamonds so in demand to elite exactly. because of the exactly. what's behind them? Why is Louis what it is because of the fucking story? It's not that it's better cotton necessarily than like some American apparel type, but it's like you know they, there's a legacy in that that y'all are subscribing to, and don't just subscribe for the bullshit part of it. Subscribe, you know, don't just subscribe because the marketing. Subscribe to the actual history and the story. That's some real shit. That is some real shit. Honestly, that might be the best answer that we've ever gotten <laughs> to that question. <laughs> oh, man. I, I try, man. I just, I, I pride myself on trying to be as well-rounded as possible. 
appreciate it, man. I hope the hood pays attention for real. If you're watching this, know that whatever, and, and even if it's not wine for you, like straight up, whatever it is for you, music, you're gonna be a better artist. If you're trying to be a rapper, you're gonna be a better artist, really appreciating music and not just what the look comes with it is, you know, like right. same pizza or fucking anything, bro. Like, you know, there's there's mattresses I could put you on a game with that are made of horse hair that are like that blow my fucking mind. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. Yo, I could see you becoming a big wine collector. Like you you <laughs> like the the fine details and appreciate stories and things. And you know, just high, you know, you got a, a high taste level. I think we got a lot to do, hip hop Mike. I think we got a lot of shit to do, man. Nah, I told you, let me know about these events, bro. I'm there. Like, I'm I'm all for it. And like, whatever we could do, I'm, I like working with people, man. I it's I tell you this, I, I know I'll be just chatting, but this is one of the best interviews I've done, low-key. Um, Appreciate it, man. But, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Like, I really want to work with so many people on so many things. And, it's, and I don't have that Kanye budget to be able to be like, I'm in art today. I'm in fucking fashion yeah. tomorrow. Like, I wish, bro, if, if I could finesse that to where I could balance my life around food and music and radio and, you know, everything. There's so much shit I want to add to it. There's books I want to read. There's other things I want to study. And it's just, unfortunately, a lot of my relationships right now are strictly about like, all right, what's going to put money in my pocket and pay the rent and get this car fucking situated. And and I hate working from that place, but I'm like, I'm trying to because working from a place of passion has kept me broke for a minute, even though I've made a lot of other people some money. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, man, this is my dog, Hip Hop Mike. We, you definitely going to be seeing and hearing a lot more from him. Um, once we get off this call, I'm going to talk about some cookies because <laughs> I need to get hooked up. I need to figure some shit out my damn self. Um, <laughs> but this is another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Thank you all for joining us. Peace. This was a moment in Wine and Hip Hop brought to you by Crew Love.